Welcome to this series from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. Well, tonight, I want to speak to you for a few moments, kind of unpack a thought about confession in the Bible. Because as New Testament Christians, very often we understand confession in a very, very limited way, where in the New Testament, it's a huge thing. There's actually three types of confession that are mentioned in the New Testament. The first one is mentioned in Romans 10 in verse 9. It says that if you will confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes to righteousness and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. And this confession is one that really we make continually, but it's, it's that initial time where we confess Jesus is our Lord, where we become disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus. And at that point, the Bible says, confession is made unto salvation. So there is a confession that is made for a person to become a believer, a follower of Jesus. We confess that Jesus is our Lord, that we believe that God raised him from the dead. Now, here's the interesting thing. I remember at one point, I thought to become a Christian, you had to confess all your sins. Now, how many of you know that would be a problem? Because you forgot most of them. What makes you a Christian is not confessing your sins. What makes us Christians is when we confess and receive Jesus as the Lord of our life. That's what makes us a Christian. Unbelievers, when they come to Jesus, they don't need to confess their sins. They need to turn their back on their old life, but they need to confess and receive Jesus. In fact, the Bible makes it really clear that what happens at that point is we're delivered from the power of darkness or the kingdom of darkness and translated into the kingdom of the son of his love. Now, the second type of confession is a confession that should happen on a regular basis. Now, it says this in 1 John Chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, the word confession means to agree with, right? So basically, when the Bible talks about our confessing our sins to God, right, we're saying, God, I agree that this is wrong, and I'm asking you to cleanse me and deliver me from all unrighteousness. We're agreeing with God that that behavior, that thought, whatever it was, that sin, that it's wrong. We, we put ourselves in agreement with God, right? Now, that's the confession that takes place in the life of the believer. It's even mentioned by Jesus in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And as believers... We should confess our sins. We recognize God. This is not right. We're agreeing with God. But then there is a third type of confession that takes precedent, really, when it comes to the subject of confession in the New Testament. This is something that we do again and again and again. And it's found, well, all through the Bible, but it is confession of God's word. And I want to take a few moments and kind of unpack that tonight. For some of you, this may be something new. For others of you, this is going to be something that's going to kind of like rekindle a fire on the inside of you. 
Romans 10, verse 6. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Now, notice that it says that faith speaks. Faith speaks. In in Romans, in Mark chapter 11, Jesus deals with the same subject. He curses a fig tree. It dies. The disciples say, look, Jesus, the fig tree died. Jesus said, have faith in God. And then he said, for verily, verily, I say to you that whosoever will say. Now, the first thing Jesus says about faith is faith works for whosoever will say. The same thing is coming out here in Romans. It says that the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. And then it goes on and it says, do not say in your heart. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven that is to bring Christ down from above or who will descend into the abyss that is to bring Christ up from the dead. So it's saying there are things that faith will not say. There are things faith doesn't say. I've used this illustration before, but to me it's just the most powerful one. It just drives things home. Um, My father was in World War II. And he came back and felt like so many of his colleagues had died. And, and he would say this, and he would say it on a regular basis. He, he would say, you know, I should have died in the war. But I didn't, but I'll never live to be 50. I should have died in the war, but I'll never live to be 50. I should have died in the war, but I'll never live to be 50. I should have died in the war, but I'll never live to be 50. I should have died in the war. I'm going to die young. I'll never live to be 50. 49, he died. There are things that faith does not say. Faith does not disagree with God, who says, with long life, I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. So when he begins to talk about faith, one of the things that he says is this. Faith doesn't say, listen, faith does not disagree with God. In Numbers 13, God had told the children of Israel, I've given you the promised land. The spies come back and 10 of them said, it's just like God said, it flows with milk and honey, but there's giants, there's walled cities, there's seven nations, and we cannot go in. And this is what God said. They gave an evil report. When God said, I've given it to you, and they said, we cannot go in, God called that an evil report. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way, do not say. Who will ascend into heaven to bring Christ down? Who will descend into the abyss to bring Christ up from the dead? But what does it say? What does faith say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. Where is the word? It is near you. And I have heard people say this. Well, if I could just get to a Joyce Myers meeting and if I could just get Joyce to pray for me, Boy, I know I would receive. Another person, if I could just go where Reinhard Bonnke is, and if I could just have Reinhard Bonnke pray for me, well, then I know, I know. But you know what the Bible says? It says the word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. This is actually taken from the Old Testament. It's a quote. Where it says, don't think that the word, don't think that it is far away on the other side of the mountain. It's not far away. It's not on the other side of the sea. It's near you. It's in your mouth. And it is in your heart. Now, notice what it says, that it's in 
your mouth and it's in your heart, even the word of faith which we preach. So faith needs to be in two places. It needs to be in your mouth. It needs to be in your heart. It has to be in both places. If it's just in your heart, it's not going to work. And if it's just in your mouth, it's not going to work. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. Right? In Matthew 4.4, 4, Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So your Bible, I want you to think about this, your Bible was first a spoken thing. Right? It was first spoken. God spoke it, and holy men of old, the Bible says, were moved by the Holy Spirit, and they wrote. But God spoke the word first, and then it was written. Right? But the reason that it's written, listen, is not so you can have a big Bible and carry it around. The reason it's written is so you can speak it. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Out of your mouth. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 13. Since we have the same, the identical spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we speak. Therefore we speak. Faith has to be, let me say this way. Your, your faith has to be in your heart and in your mouth. All right? Uh, your mouth is given by God to bring what his word declares to you. Your faith and your mouth working together were given by God to bring to you what your faith declares. Our victory comes when we believe it, we speak it. Revelation 12, verse 11, and they, that's you, that's me, overcome him, that's the devil and everything he brings by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony you know our testimony is supposed to agree with what the blood of Jesus purchased for us even going all the way back to the book of Genesis in the very beginning Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 the earth was without form it's void again one translation says it's catastrophic there's darkness on the face of the deep the spirit of God's moving hovering over the face of the waters and God said, let there be light. Now notice there's darkness. There, it's void. Again, one translation says catastrophic. And God looks at that and God does not say, what a mess. Never seen such a big mess. Right? God does not say what he saw. God said what he wanted. And so God didn't say it's dark and there's a mess. God said the exact opposite. He said, let there be light. And notice, nothing happened until God said. Nothing happened until God said. That's why Jesus said to you and to me, he said, the first thing that's going to happen when there's faith is he says, faith works for whosoever will say. Whosoever will say. Right? We, we need to realize the power of words. When Jesus was in the de desert, the Satan came and said, and then Jesus said, it is written. And then Satan said, and then Jesus said, it is written. Then Satan said, and then Jesus 
said it is written. There was literally a spiritual battle that took place. But it was not with physical weapons. It was with words. And you hear people talk about spiritual warfare. It's a real thing. But realize spiritual warfare takes place through faith and words. That's how it takes place. Faith and words. So nothing happened until God said. Jesus said the first thing that our faith will move is our mouth. It's amazing when we read that. We, we hear what Jesus did. He cursed the fig tree, it died. And then, then, then he said to the disciples, he said, Verily I say to you that whosoever will say to this mountain, be removed, cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things that he says will come to pass. He'll have whatsoever he says or whatsoever he saith, the King James Bible says. Now, but we see what Jesus did and we think, wow, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. Jesus can do stuff like that. You know, basically, what we think Jesus said is, you see how I cursed the fig tree and it died? Don't you try that. You're just a mere human being. I'm God. I learned to do this in heaven. God, the Father, and I, we curse things, they die. We talk, things happen. You try it, you will blow your lips off. You know, we think this is, this is something that is not for us. But Jesus said, this will work for whosoever. That means this will work for you if you're rich, poor, man, woman, educated, illiterate, live in a mansion or under, in, under a, an expressway in a cardboard box. This will work for whosoever will say and not doubt in his heart. Jesus said it'll work for you. And yet somehow we, we as Christians, we have completely not grasped that Jesus is telling us this is for us. This is something that you do as believers. In Hebrews 3 in verse 1, it says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession. Now, the Bible calls Jesus the high priest of our confession. Right? Now, what a prophet does, let, let, let's, let, let's just suppose that this, this, this podium right here is going to represent God. All right? And this group right here is going to represent God's people. people all right? So here's what a prophet does. A prophet goes to God, gets the word from God, and brings that word to God's people, right? That's what a prophet does. Now, this is what a priest does. A priest goes to the people, listens to the people, and then he takes that, their need, to God. Right? Now, the Bible says about Jesus, listen, that he is the high priest of your confession. In other words... Jesus takes what you say, and he brings what you say to God. Right? Well, are, are, are you saying, thank God I am delivered because he delivered me from the power of darkness and put me into the kingdom of the son of his love? Or are you saying, I'll never get out of this. I've been in bondage to this habit for 16 years, and I don't think I'll ever get free. What are you saying? Because Jesus 
is the high priest of your confession. He brings what you say to God. And it's really important that we be saying the right thing. Reinhard Bonnke, who one of the mo- has one of the most prolific evangelistic and healing ministries, definitely of the 20 and 21st century, speaking, ha- do- doing crusades with over a million people present at a time and have seen hundreds of thousands of people come to Christ. He said this. He said, I was a normal missionary till God said to me, He said, my word in your mouth is as powerful as my word in my mouth. God said, my words in your mouth are as powerful as my words in my mouth. He said, I was normal until that happened. Yeah, that'll change you. That will change you. I want you to think about this. God tells Joshua, you've crossed into the promised land. Now, here's the city of Jericho. I want you to march around that city seven days. For the first six days, you march around it one time every day and go back to camp. But on the seventh day, he said you march around it seven times. And here's the instruction that you will give the people. He said when they march around that wall, they will not say one word. Nobody says anything. Until the seventh day, on the seventh time around, the priest will blow the trumpet. And when the priests blow the trumpet, the people are to shout victory, shout, and the walls will fall down. Now, why did God say, don't say anything until the last day, the last time around? I'm going to tell you what I believe, right? I believe God said, don't tell them not to say anything because after three days, this is what they would have said. This is the stupidest plan I've ever heard of. This is never going to work. I think Joshua is an idiot. Joshua has not heard from God. How is walking around this place going to make these walls fall down? Don't you think this is stupid? I think we need to get a petition and we need to get a petition that we need to do something different. We need to find a new leader. We need to do whatever. But we are, why are we, why are we just walking around here? Those people up there, they think we're crazy. And I think we're crazy too. God said, don't you say a word until you're going to shout victory. Until you're going to shout and the walls are going to fall down. Now the Bible says, that we take the shield of faith and we quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. I believe this. I want to tell you something. I believe that most of the fiery darts of the enemy, not all of them, but most of them come out of our mouth. He takes things that we say and he uses those things against us. And God said, don't let them say a word. Don't let them say a word. Now, there's Abraham, there's Isaac, Abraham's son, Isaac. And then Isaac, one of his sons, is Jacob. Jacob has traveled several hundred miles. And he's gone to the the place where his grandfather came from. And he has married a woman. And after 20 years, they're now on their way back to the promised land. But when he left his father-in-law, Laban, he didn't tell him. Because Laban, he was a, he was a trickster. Right? In fact, the Bible says that he changed Jacob's wages ten 
times trying to cheat him. But God didn't let him, didn't let him harm him. But he kept on trying. And Jacob was a bit fearful that he was going to try to take his goods, take his wife, take his children, take everything back. So he just took off running, right? But what he did not know was that his wife had stolen a little idol out of the house, a household idol. So Laban catches up to Jacob. That's the father-in-law. And he says, well, I understand why you left. Right? You, you know, you want to go back home. But why did you steal my household idol? And this is what he said. He said, I did not steal. We did not steal that idol. And whoever, if you find it, whoever did it will die. Wow. He looked. She was sitting on the, she, the Bible says she was sitting on a, a, a camel's um, saddle. And her father came in the tent, and she said, oh, please excuse me, I'm, I'm in my cycle right now. And she's sitting on the camel's saddle, but she's got the idol hidden. So he didn't find it. He leaves. Short time later, she's pregnant. And the Bible says that she's in childbirth, and she had hard labor, and it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said to her, don't fear. You also have this son. And so it was that as her soul was departing, she died. That she called his name Benoni, which means the son of my sorrow. But her father called him Benjamin, which means the son of my right hand. So Rachel died and was buried in Ephrat. And that is Bethlehem. It's right in front of Bethlehem. Now, it's very interesting that her husband said, Whoever took that idol is going to die. And just a short while later, she's in childbirth and she dies. Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. Jeannie was reading to me a translation this past week. It says, and those that understand it and use it will eat its fruit. You, you, you're, you're going to, look, how many ever heard that saying, you're going to eat your words? We're all going to eat our words, but we should make them sweet. We should make them right, right? Because death and life are in the power of the tongue, right? What are, what are you confessing? Defeat, failure, bondage, sickness? Or are you confessing victory? Are you confessing, I'm never going to get out of debt. I'm never going to be able to break this addiction. I'm never going to be able to afford that. Now, we need to be confessing what God says about us. That's what we need to confess. In fact, let's, let's just make a little confession right here. All right? I'm going to say this, and you're just going to repeat it. I will not fear, for you haven't given me a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. I thank you for healing, because you forgive all of my sins, and you heal all my diseases. I thank you for forgiveness. Because I have forgiveness of sins. Because of the blood of Jesus. I thank you I'm delivered from the power of darkness. Because you delivered me. And put me in the kingdom of your beloved son. I thank you for making me righteous. Righteous. 
Because he that knew no sin became sin for me, that I might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I thank you. I have a sound mind because I don't have a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a strong mind. I thank you. You supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I thank you for divine protection because a thousand may fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but it'll not come near me. I thank you I have no worries because I cast my care on you because you care for me. I thank you that you lead and guide me because you are the Lord, my shepherd. In Philemon, verse 6, it's one of the shortest little books in the New Testament. Just one chapter. But it says in verse 6 that the sharing or the acknowledging of your faith may become effective. Or the, excuse me, the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledging of every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. What good things are in you in Christ? You have grace. That's God's ability to do what you need to do. You have provision, healing, righteousness, forgiveness, authority. There are so many things. But the Bible says our faith becomes energized. It becomes effective when we acknowledge what we have in Christ Jesus. You know, here's the thing. So many of us know the power of confession. But are we using the power of confession? Are we acknowledging the good things that are in us in Christ Jesus? Right? So many people know what the Bible says, but it doesn't seem real. But it'll become real, and it will begin to be a powerful force. The Bible says that that word is working mightily or powerfully in you, but it begins when we acknowledge every good thing that we have in Christ Jesus. In James, it talks about the power of our tongue. It says it's like the bit in a horse's mouth. I don't know how many hundreds of pounds a horse weighs, maybe even a thousand pounds, but you just got a little bit in its mouth, and that little bit steers that horse in whatever direction. The Bible says your tongue is like that bit in the horse's mouth. It says, likewise, look at ships. Though they're great, they're driven by rough storms. He said, they're, but they're steered by a very small rudder where the impulse of the helmsman desires, even so the tongue. Just like a, the rudder on a ship determines the direction of that ship, the Bible says that's what your tongue is in your life. It is the rudder. It's not the storm that's going to determine the direction of your life. It's the rudder. It's, the, it's your tongue. All right. You see, with your words, you can bring prosperity or poverty, health or sickness, victory or defeat. You can see God move or you can open a door for the devil to move with your tongue. You know, Dr. Cho is pastors the largest church in the world in, in Seoul, Korea. He tells a story. heard him say this a number of years ago. We were at a conference and he was speaking. He said he had, he had a, a lunch with the leading neurosurgeon of South Korea. And the leading neurosurgeon said, he said, we have new discovery. We discover speech center of brain control entire brain. 
You say, I am weak. Brain tells whole body, be weak. You say, I am very old, I'm very old. Brain tells body, you old, get ready, die. Brand new discovery, brain center, control entire body. Dr. Cho said, I say to him, I know long time. He said, how you know long time? Brand new discovery. He said, I know long time. I learned Dr. James. Neurosurgeon said, who is Dr. James? Dr. Cho said, Dr. James, New Testament, chapter three, tongue, little member, control, entire body. <laughs> True. The Bible is constantly trying to teach us how to talk. Let me just close with this. Joshua 1, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Psalms 107. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Isaiah 59, 21. And my words, which I put in your mouth, shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your descendants, nor from the mouth of your descendants' descendants, from this time forth and forevermore. 2016. God says, my word shall not depart from your mouth. Isaiah 57, 19. God said, I create the fruit of the lips. Somebody says, yeah, but I just feel weak. That's why Joel said, let the weak say... I am strong. Hebrews 13, 8. Therefore, we will boldly say, the Lord is my helper. What can man do to me? The psalmist said, the Lord is my light in my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Job 22. You will also declare or decree a thing. It will be established for you and so light will shine on your way. And when they cast you down, how many have been cast down? And you say, my Bible's trying to teach you what to say. And you say, exaltation will come, then he, God, will save the humble person. When you say, Romans 8, what shall we then say to these things? He's talking about what kind of opposition could come against us. And he says, when that happens, what shall we then say? He said, I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, or principalities, or powers, or things present, or things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. When problems show up, what shall we then say? Jesus said the first thing that your faith will activate is your mouth. And if it doesn't move your mouth, it won't move a problem. But Jesus said, if you'll believe it in your heart, say it with your mouth. He said, that mountain will move. It'll move. Now, let me just say this. You have to believe, right? Now, when we talk about belief, I'm going to close with this. It's going to, I don't want anybody to run out of here. I don't want anybody running out of here going, well, I believe God. I'm going to have 10,000 oil wells. I want to ask you this question. Where is that in the Bible? Where is that in the Bible? What we, what we believe is God's word. He said, my word is to be in your mouth. My word is to be in your mouth. Right? So we put that word in. And when that word's in our hearts, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. 
All right, would you please bow your heads for just a moment? You may be here today, but you're away from God. And I was thinking today, without God, life really has no purpose. There may be shame controlling you, secrets destroying you, but in your heart you're saying, I want to be different. I want a new life. I want to change the way that I live, the way I think. The Bible calls that repentance. You want a new relationship with God. Some of you, you want to come back. Others in your heart, you are crying out and you're saying, God, rescue me. God, I want to serve you. I want you to come into my life. I want you to make me a new person. I want to be a part of what you're doing in the earth. I want to be forgiven. I want Jesus to come into my heart, to cleanse me, to make me new. I'm going to turn my back on my old life, and I'm going to live for you. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand in just a moment. I'm going to count to three. When I say three, lift that hand. When you lift your hand, this is what you're saying. You're saying, God, I know I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. And I know that Jesus is the only Savior. I'm coming to him today to be saved, to be forgiven. One. When you lift that hand, you're saying, God, today, I'm going to turn my back on my old life. I'm going to confess Jesus as my Lord, and I'm going to live for him. Two, get ready to lift that hand. Lift that hand, you're saying, God, today, Jesus is going to come into my heart by faith. He's going to blood wash me from my sin, make me a new person on the inside, a part of your family, on my way to heaven. Three, lift it up. Say, pray with me. Pray with me. I'm not right. I want to get right. Thank you. God bless you, and God bless you. Thank you. All right. I'm going to ask everybody that can, would you stand, if you can stand. Take one hand, place it over your heart. Lift your other hand towards heaven. And let's pray with those that just lifted their hands. We just repeat this. Make these words your own. Say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe that he rose again and that he's coming again. And I receive him right now as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for coming into my heart, blood washing me from my sin. I thank you my past is gone, that you make me a new person on the inside, a part of your family on my way to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome, awesome. Thank you for listening to this series. For more information, call 616-534-4923 or visit us at reslife.org.